Hello, and welcome to I'll Bring the Bible with Mel. And Monica. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> We've come up with a better plan. <laughs> we, so far, we think it's a better plan. You, you'll, be the, you'll be the judge of that. I think it's going to be a better plan. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. We're it's gonna... taken us a good season, a season or semester or whatever you want uh-huh. to call it, good several months for us to figure out uh, our new schedules and um, trying to make them mesh. Right, and how we're going to do it. And so it's, it's just been busy for both of us. Mm-hmm. Monica has a senior... And I, I think my busy hasn't been, my busy's been kind of like what I'm used to. It's uh-huh. just we've thrown in your busy to the mix and it's made it um, a lot That's busier. That's true. Because I, I used to work from home and now I don't work from home. So right. it, it has been um, crazy. Mm-hmm. So, but here we are and we're happy to be back. We are. So what have you been up to? I have been up to, um, hmm, um, I redid my kitchen. Okay. And I think that we even maybe talked about that the last time. So it's finally over. That's finally over. Um, We've been, I've been planning um, vacation. I've been kind of, I'm like in a little bit of a lull right now as far as um, all of the stuff that the kids are getting ready to do. I did book a date for um, my senior uh, uh, grad party. Okay. And that's as far as we've gotten is the date and the location uh, because our friend has a, a party barn. That's so right. So the only reason I have a venue, folks, is because I have a friend with a party barn. And it's very nice. It is very and nice. And they are very generous. They're about very generous. So. so anyway, uh, just doing that kind of stuff. And then we are both speaking at a conference soon. Yep. And yep. we've been working on the same Sunday school uh, lessons. So we've that's had right. that busyness. But That's I. I like that kind of busy. That's my favorite. Yes. Mm-hmm. Doing doing what we're doing with the work with uh, we've revived Sunday school, adult Sunday school adult, class. Adult, adult Sunday school. And mm-hmm. um, we've just been really enjoying that and then doing uh, work with the women's ministry. So I've been just studying a lot and working a lot and working kind of crazy hours and trying to figure out how that is all going to fit and work and life and but then recently I just got a new job right. <laughs> that changes my hours mm-hmm. same area of work just different location different hours which I'm hoping will be better fit for our family mm-hmm. and um, but it's definitely been an adjustment and uh, a difficult one uh, but I am I'm I'm content where I'm at for the most part Good. for the most part so we we are just this month doing talking about things that God has laid on our heart and um, the way that we're structured this podcast um, from here going on out is less structured less structured right <laughs> and so what you're going to be hearing is a lot of our thoughts and opinions on the word and um, it's okay if we disagree it's okay that um, maybe um, you're in a different spot, but we just want to offer mm-hmm. some things that God has laid on our hearts and right. minister to us. So I, I found an interesting article online that I wanted to talk about, and I heard about this actually from a different podcast, so I went and I did some research again. And the article is um, referring to a um, survey that the Barna Group did with a bunch of pastors about where they're at 
in um, the health mm-hmm. of their personal health of the church and their ministry. And the results, uh, there were two results that I want to concentrate on today. And one of the results said that 38% of pastors are seriously considering leaving ministry altogether. 38%. That's Mm -hmm. up from when they did the survey nine months before that, where it was only 29%. So in a nine-month span between that COVID time, mm-hmm. you had this huge jump of about nine points. And then um, the other startling uh, statistic was that in 2016, 80% of pastors said that their mental health was in a good place or in an excellent place. Mm-hmm. And then in 2021, pastors said only 60% of pastors said that their mental health was in a good place or healthy place. So we have a deficit of about, oh, it was 85%. So it was even higher. We have a deficit of 25% within the span of what, six years? Mm-hmm. And um, that should be alarming to us. Well, I think that there's there's several possible explanations mm-hmm. for that. And uh, I think that, one, it shows us that, it, it reminds us that pastors are people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And coming from a person with kind of a high-profile job in, in these COVID days, uh-huh. Um, married to a person who's even in an even higher profile um, uh, occupation in these days. Um, we see that a lot of people are, we're just, um, pastors are trying to pastor people that have all these opinions. Everyone is angry. 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 Everyone is so angry. Everyone is so sensitive. Mm-hmm. And we have made becoming offended a way of life. Yes. So you Absolutely. have a pastor who's also, what, over the last 30 years or something, we've really made church success about numbers. Yeah. About butts in the seats. Uh-huh. And... So you've got people that aren't coming to church on the regular basis because we've gotten away from it. And it's easy. It's on. It's online. And now we have a great excuse. We have a if great excuse. If we have excuse. a sniffle, we can stay home. I think that, you know, the church has always been um, present in politics. But I think this last election cycle really... Um, it ruined. It, it ruined a lot. It ruined a lot. My son, who was a political science major, changed his major because he said this ruined politics for me. Yeah, it's, um, it's as been as a pretty bright uh, moderate kid. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that one pastors are people. Two, their 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 occupation is dealing with people, mm-hmm. and there's so many people that they are trying to accommodate right. and, because there, there's accommodation and there's discipling and all that and it really kind of all blends because you want to try to be peaceful with people and meet them at their needs and everybody's different right and to offer something else i also think that a lot too much is weighing on one man's shoulders you know mm-hmm. and, and some I, of them have a hard time letting go of some of right. that and even though we have like 
deacons or elders in your church, whatever you have, uh, groups, there's still a lot of pressure on the one man. Right. And I wouldn't, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking what would happen if um, we just changed that dynamic a little bit to where it's not like the one guy, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to where it's more of a, a collective type of experience where we're helping each other out and, um, and the weight of the whole church doesn't rest on one man's shoulders or one man doesn't think mm-hmm. it's a, you know, that the weight of it rests on his shoulders. So, um, you know, when we think of the pastor, you know, everybody goes to the pastor to unload all of their issues and their problems. He's a counselor. He's, you know, maybe when sometimes he's, you know, not equipped to be and things like that. So we don't have enough people you know, absorbing the impact and then also might be an issue with the pastor where he doesn't want anybody else to absorb the impact. You know, um, we were at a conference last year and I heard, um, we heard a pretty high profile pastor speak, Uh um, just a godly man. Um, and he was pastoring a pretty large church at the time or had been. And he, he was, I guess like maybe some of the he was getting literally getting death threats and he had said that the past year so it would have been like year before because this was the spring of 21 uh-huh. so all of like 2020 he said he had experienced more negative uh, email and comments from the congregation than his prior 20 years mm-hmm. combined and he actually had death threats like the FBI came to his home and said I mean, they found out that it was, like, real honest to gosh. Wow. Like, there was plans in place or whatever. He uh, decided not to preach the following Sunday, and he said he was just an emotional wreck. Mm -hmm. And he said that one of the pastors there said, I don't typically do this. I think he was was preaching on Jonah or something. Mm -hmm. He said, but um, is there someone here that's just really struggling with, with running, feeling like they want to run from the Lord? And he stood up bawling, raised his hands in his congregation. Wow. Wow. And he ended up uh, staying as a pastor. He, he resigned from that church, um, but he knew that it was the enemy that mm-hmm. was trying to keep him from, uh, from serving the Lord in that manner. And, um, and that at that point, he realized that he wasn't going to give in to it. Right. But you could completely understand him walking away. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's um it's a really difficult thing and then we see um you know pastors like um Mark Driscoll and Bill Hybels imploding. Right. Um because of they were untouchables. Yeah, because they're untouchable because they're they were so dynamic. Mm-hmm. that they um, they felt like they could do anything and have all the power, and yet they completely um, failed their congregations. Right. And not only that, but did serious damage, serious to, damage uh, yeah. to people. Mm-hmm. And um, that they're still, that people are still in therapy over. 
right. <laughs> after after several years. Mm-hmm. So um, the way that we revere pastors and put them on pedestals and don't give them the support that they need um, is really a recipe for disaster. And um, as I was I was reading, uh, we were texting. I, I forget what we were texting about, but I sent you this passage of scripture in Acts. And I was like, this, this is how I want church to be personally for me, mm-hmm. how I want it to look. Um, but I, I think there's something in this, uh, in the early church. And um, this passage of scripture comes uh, right after Peter's sermon at Pentecost, where they receive the Holy Spirit. So these people are young and fresh, and they're excited about yeah. serving God. They're thrilled to be where they're at, and um, and uh, the apostles, well, the disciples and then apostles, were at probably one of the most exciting moments of their lives. They're about to start mm-hmm. a movement, right. um, a Christ-centered and focused movement, and they've just got the Holy Spirit, so they're all filled and they're ready to go, and... Um, In Acts 2, starting in verse 42, it says about the Christians, um, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and... uh, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's an incredible passage of scripture. I want to enjoy favor with all the people. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> something is happening here. And mm-hmm. it's the beginning. We get to see a glimpse of the beginning of something. And I honestly think that it's something that as uh, a church as a whole, we've lost. We've lost this excitement, this passion. Mm-hmm. Um, we, As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit. And yet, um, where are we? We're, we're busy, we're tired, we're... Um... I, I think we've... One of the things, there's several um, things, but I think one of the things is that we have, have preached a personal relationship with Jesus, which is absolutely true and valuable. Uh-huh. We've, treat, we've, we've taught the personal relationship so much that we haven't included the corporate relationships mm-hmm. of the body. Yes, yes. Um, yes. And you really can't have one without the other. They're 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 like twins. Right. They're not exclude. And and two, we have a very individualistic culture. So you have an individualistic culture. It's and all the cultures always seep in the church. Mm-hmm. And so and you notice it a lot more in like suburban America, where sure. everybody's kids are doing a million things and um, everybody's working a million hours right. and. And then, you know, then you just kind of sprinkle church. <laughs> and we, we need each other. Now, right. of course, what we have to remember about this passage of Scripture was it was an extremely special time. It was an extremely special time. It was the beginning. How, 
However, they, uh-huh. there was extreme persecution Lots around them. Lots of persecution. And also um, uh, part of the culture of that day. So I think what my question is, is how can we contextualize this and incorporate it into our culture today? Now, if you ask John and I just personally as mm-hmm. a couple, we would say um, exactly how this is presented is what is what we would love to do same we would love to do that too (laughs) but not everybody Mm -mm. not everybody would love to do that and um and i get that we're not we're not in this culture in this time this is um this is how we want to personally live with people i mean i think it would be amazing to get with together with people you know when jesus said at the uh um uh Uh, the Lord's Supper, you know, do this as often as you meet together Mm -hmm. in remembrance of me. That's what they were doing. That uh, just reminds me of my Baptist roots (laughs) where we had casserole after. (laughs) I just remember, I mean, we had uh, like dinner after church often. Well, I think, and then there's something, there's something to be said about um, what they were doing with their possessions. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that outward act of faith and how um, their generosity and their genuineness attracted people to join. They were, it says, they were adding to their numbers every day. And not only that, they did not forget where they came from. You see, it says that they were attending temple together. They were still going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They didn't, get rid of their of completely of their their faith well i think in a lot of well i think in that time first it was new it was a very Uh special time them being together was a matter of life and death right yes um that's and that is the case in a lot of cultures around the world a lot of places around the world it's not here it's not my um physical survival is not dependent on whether I spend any time with you or not. Uh-huh. And uh, we don't mean to, but we, we live like that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, they, they were in a, it was a difficult time, but it was mm-hmm. also a very, probably, I'm, I'm guessing when they all ended up separating and scattering, as missionaries or pastors, right. they looked back on that time, that time and said, and it, wow, that was and, special. And, you know, and I think it probably fueled them. Uh-huh. It gave them a remembrance and a love for their brother that was in another place. Because they didn't even know, are they still alive? Right. Or not. But they knew that they had a common purpose. And we have so much infighting and... Um, consumerism in our churches that we don't know oftentimes that we're that we're living and dying for the same thing yeah i I, i'm of the personal opinion that this is it's all going to crash this is it's it is and the thing is is that the church will grow from it yeah because the true church of jesus christ cannot shrink right exactly i i think um there's coming a time and I think it's probably quicker than we all realize 
that we the Christian church is going to be in a a state of um, intense persecution here, mm-hmm. and we are going to need each other. Um, so, what are some things that what are some things that we can do to reflect this kind of model that they that that is written about here in Acts? Well, I think in present day terms, <clears throat> in our current. Because we can really only speak from our current situation. Right. I mean, we could we could speak about others, but we don't know. You know, I can talk a lot about things that I'm really not. <laughs> I'm really not an expert on. Um, I have way way stronger opinions about that. Um, I think one is that the small groups or community groups. I think that's why that is so important. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but also having been in small groups for upwards of 20 years, I see that it is the first thing people take off their plate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And um, meeting together has to be a priority. And what we do with the meeting together needs to be um, fruit-filled. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Yep. It, the small groups are so important. I've been in big small groups Sometimes the small, small groups. Sometimes the small groups, the smaller small groups, are where Uh true intimacy and growth happens Mm -hmm. because people are become more vulnerable. Right, but being intentional about saying, "Hey, we're going to, we're going to carve out that time." I know you do it. I do it. This is that time Mm -hmm. on Monday night or Tuesday night where we meet with our small group, and nothing else gets in the way. And the thing is, you know, honestly, um, my every close friendship that I have um, that I've built over the last 20 years, um, with the exception of ours, that's right, has come from a small group. That's and true. Um, and you know, and you know, those relationships come and go, but there are some that have stayed and remained remained there and it's been through that close bond and community that we've had and um our close bond is because i sucked onto you like a leech won't let go just continue um, and yeah and and i just didn't fight it (laughs) we have a lot of common interests though and we have a lot of we're we're passionate about the same things that's and true. that's to uh, grow to in different ways though very different ways gosh <laughs> so different in very different so ways different. but that's what makes the world yeah. around right um, yeah i think um i think um i was wondering about what the apostles today would think of of today's church and i really think that they probably just kind of chuckle and shake their heads. Um. <laughs> well, I know that, and I don't remember who it was, but there was a um, a pastor that was brought over, like one of the pastors from the persecuted church um, uh-huh. in China or somewhere in the east, who came over and spent some time. And and I, I just this is a real story. I just don't remember specifically who it was. It's okay. Um, and. As he spent a few weeks here, he was getting ready to leave, and the pastor who hosted him said, what do you think? And he uh-huh. said, um, it's amazing how much you get uh, 
how much you've gotten accomplished without God. Wow. Wow. That's an indictment on us. Yeah. 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 And so um, I think that as far as building community, I think we need to tear down the walls that we've created through um, generations Mm -hmm. and through um, uh, some through uh, gender and uh, through uh, interests. I think it's great to have have people that are interested in a certain thing and to then to build a ministry around it and go. But Mm -hmm. I think that we have we've We've boxed in, even, I mean, our church has been intentional, or it's, but it's very small, in trying to have small groups that are not multi-generational. Mm-hmm. I mean, that are multi-generational. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because years and years of, you've got the young adults, uh-huh. and then you have the young marrieds, and then you have those stragglers of singles who are ch- chosen to be single by the Lord, that they don't have a place to go when they, be, when they, hit 30 right yeah or you've got the older uh retired retired and there's something to be said about sharing life with people that are that's in your own own season Mm -hmm. but to learn from one another Mm -hmm. um you know i i have two adult children and an 11 year old and a couple weeks ago, I was in the, like, the toddler room. Uh-huh. So it hasn't even been that long, but I forgot, like, some of the stuff that you deal with with the toddlers, just the sharing and the <laughs> being nice and taking turns. And you for, it's easy to forget those, those things. And so I feel like true discipleship and community comes from interacting with somebody that's also mm-hmm. in a different phase of life. Right. So I think the more barriers that we can can tear down, mm-hmm. the more community that we'll feel. Because we're going to naturally flock to people that are like us. Yeah. I think we're also going to have to be willing to to give up some things in order to fill fill things up with some some That's other things. That's probably the number one thing. And th- it is, and I, you but, know, but we're Americans. We can have it all. We are American we women. We can have it all. I'm telling you, um, you can't. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want. I don't want it all. I I may have a I may have a full time job. I may be working in the church. I may be um, a mom, but I'm not full. T- I'm not, you know full-time anything I'm not full-time raising my kids they're going to school mm-hmm. and they're coming home and sometimes I'm late from work you know I definitely and I miss that time with them mm-hmm. I miss that that communion with them so I have to make do with the time that I have and make it and make um, sure that it's filled with meaningful things or well, think something that like that, but even our, you know, our time as a community of believers, it needs yeah. to be filled with. But I don't have it all Gosh, because yeah. I'm missing time with my husband, time with my kids, time with my church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong by having a career, but it doesn't mean that I have it all just because I have a career and a family and a church life. It means that I've got to make compromises. 
And um, I think, you know, putting ser service to others and uh, service to our body of believers should be one of our top priorities. And it's, and, and it's not. It's not. And, and I'll be honest with that. Like, uh, I try, but I'm not, it's not perfect. And um, if something else comes up, the temptation is usually there to switch out one thing for another, one thing that I'd rather do mm -hmm. than do the other thing. Or just say, I'm too tired to, I'm too tired to minister today. Don't you think these people in Acts were tired? Exhausted. I think they were exhausted. And yet, every day, they mm -hmm. met together. And they were joyful. And they gave away their stuff. And they ate together. And they had the Lord's Supper together. And the Lord increased their numbers. I think it um, goes back to having a divided heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if those the the people of the early church their hearts were not divided they were under great persecution they had to have been exhausted who knows if they were even adequately i mean nourished <clears throat> i know that they were all sharing together so it was nothing you know if if you had bread and i didn't i i wouldn't even have to ask you you were just making sure that I had enough as well. I think right. that that's, that's at least what I see being portrayed in the early church in Acts. Um, and, you know, when, you know, when somebody decided to hold out on them, didn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think that what does, I guess really the answer is what does an undivided heart look like? Mm -hmm in our current environment, in our current situation. Right. It doesn't mean that we quit our jobs. It doesn't mean that we quit our kids. It doesn't mean that we quit our church. So what does an undivided heart look like? Mm. <sighs> okay. I'm going to say this. So... I think for me personally, um, I've just struggled so, 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 so much with um, my mental well-being. And I've had so many barriers built around my heart because of that. Um, so many unhealthy coping mechanisms um, that definitely I can see where my heart has been divided between those two things mm -hmm. my um, and and dependent on what state my mental health is in and and uh, they're thereby affecting how I treat people how I interact with people what I do on a day-to-day -day basis and how I cope with that and uh, um, you know, it's it's taken its toll over the years of, of dividing my heart. And um, I've been really thinking this year about, you know, what does it mean to be a true friend? Uh, what does it mean to be a true follower of Christ? How would all of that be affected if I 
didn't allow um, the state of my mental being to get in the way of that and overshadow everything. And um, I definitely just think that there are some things that I need to let go of in order to get to that place. And I think it's a matter of uh, figuring out how to how to let that go. Um, that's how a divided heart looks in, in my case. Um, I feel like, well, I, I'm reminded of this psalm, Psalm 24, mm -hmm. uh, Psalm of David. It says, the earth and everything in it the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord, for he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false, and who has not sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And I think that having an undivided heart is that we are first and foremost seeking a pure heart and seeking to honor God in our jobs mm -hmm. and in our relationships, mm -hmm. whether they're at home or at work or at church because this is the sphere of influence that God has given us. Mm -hmm. And I think easy as people who um, have speaking opportunities. Right. Sometimes, or, you know, you were on the mission field for a long time. I've been to many mission, mm -hmm. like short-term trips to the right. same location. And we think of that as being, you know, who we're just going to give it all to. But it's mm -hmm. that sphere of influence that we have here. Yeah. And I think it's being, you know, it's it's having a pure heart before God in all of that. Mm -hmm. And remembering that, you know, I may feel like I'm running my kid all over the place to soccer and to um, Awana mm -hmm. and to school and to a friend's house or whatever, but what am I doing with my time with him in those moments? Mm -hmm. How am I pointing him to Christ? Mm -hmm. What am I doing um, at church? Am I, am I serving out of a pure heart or am I serving out of uh, frustration? Yeah. Am I, what is my motive? Mm -hmm. And I think motive is what it comes down to. Yep, that's true. And so even, you know, like with your mental health, I mean, really our motive is to have a clear mind mm -hmm. that we can set our eyes on him. Mm -hmm. And I think when, when we let that be the center of everything that mm -hmm. we do yep. and we pray like crazy, yep. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I've started like writing, um, Coram Deo, Mm -hmm. on everything like I, I I got it on my necklace I've, I put it in my journals mm -hmm. I put it on my phone and it's to live in the presence of God it, mm -hmm. it, it's like what the Christian life is supposed to be mm -hmm. it's living my life knowing that every moment I'm in the presence of God living before the face of God right. and I want my actions to reflect that yeah I, I absolutely same 
same with me. So that's basically the conclusion I've come to is that um, God can handle my mental health status <laughs> mm -hmm. and I can give it to him. But I still have um, personal barriers and uh, it's going to take a lot of work to 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 break certain cycles. So I think recognizing those barriers is the is a big step because a lot of people don't recognize the barriers so that they can deal with them. Right. So just trying not to sink into myself and uh, uh, I, I've been I previously was on medication but I, I've chosen not to be um, and that is a personal choice I think mm -hmm. for anybody who struggles with mental health issues and um, so I've done both and uh, neither is a perfect solution um, unfortunately mm -hmm. um, you're always lacking either way that you choose mm -hmm. so um, yeah to get to get to Acts 2 42 through 47 it takes work and um, I definitely think that it's worth it. And now is the issue, listener, and to Monica and I, the challenge is what are we going to do with it? Are we just going to talk about it? Or are we actually going to act upon it? And um, that's our problem today is that we talk, 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 and there's no action behind the words. Well, I think that all uh, a big thing that we can do, though, is do what is our what God has laid on our hearts and then pray for those to join us mm -hmm. um just like our ha, you know having our adult Sunday school class mm -hmm. um I feel like God has laid that on our heart because we want our our fellow believers to be equipped with God's word in mm -hmm. a way that they haven't already been right um and it grows us and it grows others and so I think that there are different things that are on, you know, people need to actually use their gifts and talents for the body. Mm -hmm. And then the body as a whole to the community. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the big challenge is like, don't let all the other obstacles. I mean, it's not hard to find an obstacle. Oh, it's very easy. It's very easy. And even if you don't several. have one, you can you can create one. You can create one. We're going to wrap this one up. And I enjoyed it. Good, good talk. Good talk. <laughs> if nobody else listens, we had a great time. <laughs> I think there's going to be some yeah. listeners out there. Because, well, I, you know, we want, right. Uh, my mom. Your mom. Your mom. I, uh, I, I just, you know, uh, and that's what we're trying to do. Is we're trying to encourage people to get in their Bibles. Get in your Bible. Read it. Read it. Read Acts. It's the word of life. Yep. And um, anyway, follow us. We're on um, Facebook and sometimes Instagram. <laughs> I try and I fail miserably. Um, and uh, we're under I'll Bring the Bible with Mel and Monica. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have uh, your input and for you to talk about things. Oftentimes I pray uh, in the morning time. So if you're up at 4 a.m. and you catch me, good for you. Uh, <laughs> and I would love for you to join me or even watch the replay. Um, we're praying about good things over there and believing in big things. So 
Um, thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast, I'll Bring the Bible with Mel and Monica. Bye. Bye. Holy forth the word of life. <laughs> <laughs> she's got she's got hand gestures, folks. Um, Pressing on to victory in the power of the king. I don't know that one. <laughs> you had to have gone to Word of Life camp I didn't. at Scroonwood Lake, New York. I didn't to understand the reference. Mm-hmm. So shout out to all those people who have been there.